Hi, and welcome to Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast. I'm your host, Davina Frederick, founder and CEO of Wealthy Woman Lawyer. Wealthy Woman Lawyer is a company that helps women law firm owners scale their law firm businesses from six to seven figures in gross annual revenue. We do that by sharing with you our nine-step framework for creating a profitable, sustainable, wealth-generating law firm, and by guiding you through the process every step of the way. Learn more by visiting www.wealthywomanlawyer.com, by following us on Instagram at Wealthy Woman Lawyer, or by joining our free Facebook group. Today, I want to introduce our new sponsor, No Bull Marketing. Over the last four years, No Bull Marketing has tracked more than 250 law firms and discovered 60 to 80% of new client calls were generated through Google My Business and Google Ads. Basically, you need to be on Google. Noble Marketing can help. I recommend them because they have an incredible guarantee. Your campaign will be profitable in three months or less, or they'll work for free up to an additional three months. If they fail after a total of six months, they'll refund your entire investment, including ad spend. If you could use more qualified leads, I encourage you to reach out to Ronnie Deaver at noblemarketing.co. Mention you heard about them here and Noble Marketing will waive your setup fee, instantly saving you up to $2,500 or more. And now let's get on with the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast. I'm your host, Davina Frederick. And today I want to share with you the one critical question you must ask your team if you want to reduce turnover in your law firm business. But before I get to the question, I think we need to discuss what it means to reduce turnover and why it's important. Reducing turnover simply means that when we hire good employees, we want to keep them for as long as we can and not have them quit or need to fire them. And that's important, uh, obviously, for the people aspect, of course, the caring about other people. But it's also important because it costs an estimated one and a half to two times a person's salary each time an employee leaves. That's when you take into account all the training and the institutional knowledge that they're taking with them and the cost of hiring and retraining a new employee in their pay in their place. So that's one and a half to two times a person's salary. That's the cost every time we have turnover. So obviously this is something as business owners that we're going to want to avoid as much as we can. Now, that's not always, you know, if you have a business for 20, 30 years, people are going to come and go. That is a part of doing business. So don't get too hung up on that. Um, but um, this is just something that we're going to talk about how to reduce it. So also employees who are satisfied with their jobs are not only more likely to stay for a longer amount of time, but also they're going to help foster a work environment that influences others to stay. So you have may, you may have heard the term happy wife, happy life. Uh, well, I'm going to start a new trend. Happy team builds the dream. Happy team builds the dream. I want you to keep that in mind. If you want a happy team, it's important to ask one critical question of each team member. This question, I, I think I read this question in the Harvard uh, Law Review. Harvard Business Review. And, um, but regardless of where I heard it, it's a great question. I made a note of it and I want to share it with you. 
It is what parts of your job do you love and what parts of your job do you hate? So let me repeat that. What parts of your job do you love and what parts do you hate? Now, I know you may be thinking if you're a business owner, oh my God, I don't want to ask my employees that. Um, (laughs) But it's an important question. And it's it's a question that as business owners, we need to ask ourselves as well, because that's going to help uh, help let us know what we need to delegate and what uh, you know we should be doing, what the highest and best use of our time is. But we want to really extend that to our team as well. It's important to ask this question directly and be open to receiving honest answers. It's also important to reassure your employees that you really want to know, and this is not about uh, hiring or firing. It is about um, trying to improve their job satisfaction in places that you can. The most important part uh, is that is really what you do with the information once you have it, though, because to ask the question and then never attempt to make adjustments to their jobs based on what you learn is likely going to cause a lot of hard hard feelings, and it's going to cause long-term damage to your team and in your company culture. So you don't ask this question if you aren't prepared for what you might hear and you aren't prepared to work with that person to make changes, to eliminate things that they hate or find some way to make it better. When a person tells you that they hate something about their job and you do nothing, you can be rest assured knowing that they likely will start job hunting very soon. So uh, for those who hate the main focus of their job, then it's good that you know that information because we don't want people in a very important job knowing that they really hate doing that work. But for those who hate some minor part of their job and they love the most important parts of their jobs, it may be possible to shift or even eliminate altogether some of those activities that they don't like doing. So if you want to cultivate a loyal, satisfied team, it's certainly worth uh, giving it a try. So let me give you a couple of examples. This might help you sort of picture this, visualize it in your own business. Let's say that you have a paralegal and her name is, we'll call her Chantel. And she loves drafting documents and she's good at it. But you discover after you ask this question, you probably already have a little bit of a a hint of this anyway, but you discover after asking this question that she hates being interrupted with client calls all day because she feels like she can't concentrate on her drafting task. And when she's constantly being interrupted by client calls, then she uh, is afraid she's going to make mistakes. And um, you may already sort of know this because you may hear her on the phone and maybe she's not always the warmest and friendliest to your clients because she's irritated with being interrupted. So first of all, do you think it's important to know this information? And I think the answer is hell yes, right? We really want to know if somebody doesn't want uh, to be talking to our clients and they resent doing it, like low-key resent it, and maybe they're not saying that or articulating it, but we can certainly tell when somebody doesn't like doing it. They are, are curt, they're abrupt, they don't put a smile on their face when they're talking to clients, and it can be heard in their voice. So um, if you find that out, that's important information that will help you make a decision. Now, what you do with that information is up to you. You might decide that Chantel's complaint is valid and reasonable. 
um, because you know what it's like when you're constantly, you know, being interrupted while you're trying to concentrate. And she's a valued member of your team. Uh, she does a great job drafting. So it might be worth it for you to start redirecting calls that would normally go to her to another employee, one who loves helping clients and doesn't mind talking on the phone. So if you have somebody on your team that could answer questions and they're not worried about uh, interruptions, they love talking to people and helping, then you might start directing those calls to that person and let that person then help try to solve that the client's problem. Um, and maybe if they need to meet with Chantel at a certain time of the day to get answers and then call people back. So there's there's ways around it, right? Now let's assume that Chantel tells you that she loves to help people, but she hates sitting behind a computer all day drafting documents. Since the key component of a paralegal's job is drafting documents, it's unlikely you'll be able to redirect document drafting to someone else. Uh, that is a paralegal's main function of their job. And that's what you're paying Chantel to do. However, you might realize that Chantel, based on her personality, based on her Clifton Strengths analysis or some other Enneagram or Myers-Briggs or whatever it is that you use, DISC assessment, that she might be better suited as your client care specialist. Don't be afraid to move her to another position if she's been with you for years, she has a lot of institutional knowledge, you like her, and you think she uh, is a good fit in your company culture, but maybe not in that drafting job. Maybe she thought she wanted to be a paralegal, but she's not that great at it, and she loves helping people. So you might switch her to a client care specialist and then outsource the drafting or hire a new paralegal. Both of these decisions I've shared allow you to keep Chantel and ensure she stays satisfied with her job duties, which means she's more likely to stay with your firm longer. So less turnover and the cost of training somebody else. Of course, there's always the possibility that you'll discover someone hates the main function of their job and there's really no recourse or course of action to change it because that's the job that you need done. The sooner you know someone is dissatisfied, the sooner you can course correct. So maybe uh, you'll protect the firm the best interest of the firm, which, you know, is our job is to protect the best interest of the firm from losing an employee before you're re prepared to replace them. So if you think, boy, she hates her job, I better start looking for somebody because I suspect she's going to start looking for a new job here soon and leave us high and dry. Or maybe you'll protect the firm by terminating an employee whose dissatisfaction is spilling out all over the place and getting on other employees and on clients. Um, so if you get, you know, if you understand that this is not something that they're they're well suited for, then you're doing everyone a favor, including that employee, if you just call it a day and say, you know, I'm going to let you go on so you can pursue something that really lights you up. Um, regardless of the outcome, knowledge is power. The more questions we ask our employees, and the more we open, open we are to receiving their answers, the better decisions we can make as managers and leaders. Remember what I said, happy team builds the dream. You must have a team if you want to build that wealth generating law firm business, even if you have independent contractors versus employees, especially when you're starting out, really having other people to help you is grow your business is what is needed if you want to be that wealth generating million dollar plus 
revenue gener- generating business that's profitable, sustainable for a long period of time, and also allows you to step away from the day-to-day operations of your business. So that's it for today's episode. I do hope you enjoyed it. If you are struggling to hire and manage a high-performing team, I, I want to invite you to join me during Wealthy Woman Lawyer, Lawyer's live virtual five-day law firm hiring challenge. This is something new that I'm doing where I'm actually hosting a five-day challenge from uh, November 7th through November 11th, November 7th through November 11th. So that's in a little over a week from now, from one to two Eastern time each day. So Monday through Friday, November 7th through uh, is Monday, November 11th is Friday, Veterans Day. Every day of that week from 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern, I'm going to go live and um, and I'm going to teach you, I'm going to take a deeper dive into my five-step law firm hiring blueprint. I have a blueprint to help you create a good hiring system so that we make hiring as easy as we can for you during this time when it's particularly challenging to a lot of small firm owners. So just five days, you will have started and started creating the the same hiring system that I teach my private coaching clients. These are women, law firm owners who um, make anywhere from a half million to a million and to several million. Um, And this is the same hiring system that I teach them. So for more details and to register, I want you to click the link in the show notes. And I hope to see you then and there. Thank you again for being a part of the Wealthy Woman Lawyer community and a listener of the Wealthy Woman Lawyer podcast. If uh, you listen to this on Apple, please leave us a review. Every great review we get helps to Apple to rank that higher and um, get more eyeballs and ears onto our podcast. So thanks so much. I appreciate it. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of the Wealthy Woman Lawyer podcast. If you have, we invite you to leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform. The more five-star reviews we have, the more women law firm owners will be able to positively impact. Your thoughts and opinions are so important to us. If you are a woman law firm owner who wants to scale your law firm to a million dollars or more in gross annual revenue and do it in a way that's sustainable and feels good to you, then we invite you to join us in the Wealthy Woman Lawyer League. The League is a community of highly intelligent, goal-oriented, and driven women law firm owners who are excited to support one another on their journeys to becoming wealthy women lawyers. We'll be sharing so much in the League in the coming year, including the exclusive million-dollar law firm framework that until now, I've only shared with my private one-to-one clients. For more information and to join us, Go now to www.wealthywomanlawyer.com slash leave. That's www.wealthywomanlawyer.com slash leave. Leave is spelled L-E-A-G-U-E. We look forward to seeing you soon in the league.